Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Some describe it as a feeling in the pit of the stomach. Others say it's that nagging sense that something isn't right with the world. Still others say it's more like a wet blanket draped over their lives. What am I talking about? Guilt, that constant companion of many in this world of sin. But maybe, just maybe, it's a good thing. Let's find out. We have Dr. Timothy Jennings with us today on Skype. Dr. Jennings, help us understand guilt. What do we need to know? Guilt, there's legitimate guilt that we experience when we've actually done something wrong, Mm -hmm. and there's illegitimate guilt. We feel guilt when we've done nothing wrong. Hmm. The legitimate guilt is a godly experience to protect us from injury. So the metaphor I give would be, is it a bad thing if you're going to touch a hot stove that as you touch the hot stove that you feel pain? This is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. The pain alerts you that something is wrong and you pull your hand back very quickly and minimize the damage. In fact, if you're really, really sensitive, you might feel the heat as you approach the stove before you ever get damaged and never pull it back. People who are very sensitive to the Spirit of God and have sensitive consciences, they can feel and approach that this is wrong and they'll pull back from doing wrong. The conviction of guilt that we get alerts us that something is wrong in our actions or behaviors that is damaging us so that we will pull back, repent, and make a change and minimize the damage. Once people experience appropriate guilt, This feeling of guilt is unpleasant. People want it to go away, and there's only two ways to avoid that experience. One is a godly way, repentance, which is a true heart change, and restoration as far as possible without causing harm to another. If that's happened, then we can move forward because we're no longer the same person in heart. We're actually healthier, more mature, and we can move forward without guilt. But people can avoid guilt in another way denial and distortion. It wasn't me, it was the woman you gave me. God, I didn't do anything wrong. And they can deny they've done anything wrong, create lies in their head, and thus they can avoid feeling the guilt by creating a false reality. The problem with that, though, is that they hold a a distorted view of the world now. They can't see things accurately because to see things accurately would bring them guilt, and so they're very difficult to deal with. And these people will often um, be irrational in the way they see the world around them and and talk about various subject matters. Hmm. Hmm. When we feel this guilt, it sounds like you're saying that guilt is actually a tool that we can refine, that we can make work for us. Am I right? I wouldn't call it a tool. I would just call it a response. Okay. A response that we have to unhealthy actions. And this is why leprosy was a metaphor for sin, because Mm -hmm. leprosy damages the body's pain fibers. Leprosy does not actually damage tissues. It just damages pain fibers so that when you touch a hot stove or cut yourself, you don't feel it. And so you keep your hand on the hot stove longer and get much more damage, eventually losing pieces of your body. So leprosy metaphor for sin, sin damages the conscience. So you no longer are sensitive to violations of God's laws for life, and you live outside of God's designs, which sear the 
conscience, harden the heart, warp the character. You damage your soul, and you're not even aware you're doing it. So that's why leprosy was a metaphor for sin. All right. So you go into a store, and you see something, a widget that you want really bad. You don't have money to pay for it. And you walk toward that widget, and you begin to feel a little uncertain about this. That's the heat you're beginning to feel, right? And you get there, and you say, oh, I, I, I want that so bad. I want that so bad. And, oh, I shouldn't take it. I shouldn't take it. But then you grab it, put it into your coat, and run out. The guilt began as you were walking toward it. Am I hearing you right? If you have a healthy, non-damaged conscience, however, people who might have done that many times already mm. have seared their consciences, and then they remember, deny and distort, and so they tell themselves stories. Well, look, it's not fair. I live in a poor part of the town, or I'm a certain minority group, or I'm an illegal immigrant, and I have no benefits or rights, and, and these big corporations are making billions of dollars, and I'm just trying to get by, and therefore it's not wrong for me to steal this. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, all right, very good. It sounds like at least this kind of guilt is something that we want to we want to enhance, we want to work on, we want to we want to purify this kind of guilt. That would be like saying, I want to have more pain. I want to have more pain. No, you don't. You want to have a sensitive conscience so that you will feel guilt if you violate God's designs. Okay, so I want right, to have sensitive okay, pain okay. fibers. I have. You, hopefully, you and I don't have leprosy, so we have very sensitive pain fibers mm -hmm. in our body, mm -hmm. so that if we cut ourselves or get a thorn or touch hot stuff, we very quickly feel pain and we're very sensitive, but that doesn't mean we want to say, I want to get more pain. Mm, no, we don't. That's true. We don't want to, okay. we don't want to, we don't want to feel more guilt. Yeah. We don't want to feel guilt ever. We want to live in harmony with God's design, but we want sensitive consciences so that if we do stray across the lines of God's designs for life, we're very quick to realize it and pull back. Okay. Sensitive consciences. How do we enhance our consciences so they become more sensitive so we don't ever have to move into that area where we have to experience the pain of guilt? Okay, so consciences are healed through a healthy relationship with God, okay. where by beholding him, we become changed. So we have to be lovers of truth. We have to get rid of lies and distortions. We have to spend time viewing, meditating Jesus Christ, fixing your eyes on him. This is a design law. By beholding him, we become changed. And as we become changed, we begin to value the things that he values, and that helps our consciences become more sensitive to the things of God's kingdom. All right, very good. Dr. Tim Jennings, our guest today. You mentioned at the beginning of the show that there there is legitimate guilt, and then there is not legitimate guilt. What's that talking about? That's when you feel guilt and you've actually done nothing wrong, huh. but you still feel guilt. Now, remember, legitimate guilt, you can only resolve it in a healthy way by repentance and restoration. Right. Illegitimate guilt cannot be resolved by repentance and restoration because you've done nothing wrong to repent of and there's nothing to restore. However, because it feels like guilt, people try to resolve it by repentance and restoration, but they only make it worse. And there are lots of examples and different types of illegitimate guilt. Illegitimate guilt is always rooted in some fashion by believing a lie a lie of some kind, and so illegitimate guilt will always be resolved and only resolved by an application of the truth. So let's give some examples. Yeah. A wife is on her way home and a husband has been off that day and he's gotten home early and he's gonna surprise his wife by cooking dinner for her, which is unusual, and she's always home by 5.30, so he's worked hard, dinner's on the table about 5.25 so he can surprise her when she walks through the door, but 5.30, 5.40, six o'clock, seven o'clock, she comes in at 7.30, because there was a wreck on the interstate, she was stuck in traffic and her cell phone battery was dead so she couldn't call. And when she comes in, the food is cold, the candles are burned down and the husband's angry and says, see if I ever do this for you again. Mm. She is tempted to feel guilt. Mm -hmm. She's tempted to try to repent. I'm sorry and restore. What can I do to make it up for you? 
But this would be a form of illegitimate guilt. Has she done anything wrong? No. no, No. no. The situation is frustrating for everyone, disappointing for everyone, but there was no evil, no wrong done except perhaps the husband by accusing her falsely. And so the only way out of this, if she actually repents, I'm sorry, what can I do to make it up for you? It might placate him in the moment, but inside her, she'll eventually be mad because she'll feel like, hey, wait a second, why am I the one making (laughs) up? That's true. It can actually worsen the relationship. So the only way out of that is to speak the truth. Hey, wait a second, I'm sorry that you're upset. I'm sorry you're upset. Okay, that's different than I'm sorry for what I've done, okay? I'm upset too, but where's your concern for me? Mm-hmm. I could have been the one in the accident. So speaking the truth helps avoid going down these trails. Other examples, which I think are often very common, are when some outcome occurs for which we are not happy. Some outcome occurs for which we are not happy. Like I had a patient come see me who had a death of a loved one, a death of a child from an illness. And the parent had taken the child to the doctor several times, but the child had died anyway, despite following the doctor's instructions within a 48-hour period because the child had meningitis. Mm -hmm. And the parent felt guilty. It's my fault. I'm the one who's responsible for the health of the child. God gave me this child. I knew something was wrong. I knew something wasn't right. And they felt guilty and blamed themselves, but they had no medical training. Now, did the parent do anything wrong? No. So this would be illegitimate guilt operating because they're trying to blame themselves for the outcome of what happened. And people do this for a variety of reasons, but the only way out of this false guilt is to be the truth, truthful. While I hate the outcome and what happened, I didn't do anything wrong. I did the best I knew how to do. Dr. Jennings, the two kinds of guilt that you've showed us, legitimate and illegitimate, they feel exactly the same way. And you say the first one is when we, when we go away from God's ideal for us and we feel guilt, is that from God? And is the, in other words, if they feel the same and they're both called guilt, are they both from God? One is from God, if you want to say that. One is because God has designed us to experience the guilt when we violate his designs because it's protective to us. And so it's from God in the same way that pain is from God when you touch a hot stove. The pain is protective to you, okay? It's not God doing it to you, okay? The uh, illegitimate guilt is not from God because it's from believing a lie. Mm. It would be like when somebody has pain when there are no damaging things happening to their body. They're just having pain fibers fire for various reasons, okay? Here's another example of the illegitimate guilt. Um, and, and it's when children 
are raised in good homes, and when they grow up, they leave the church and go into wild living, and many parents feel guilty because of a Bible promise in Proverbs 22, 6, raise a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the parents look at the child's wandering away from the Lord, and they blame themselves. Well, I must have done something wrong. It's my fault. If I would have raised them differently, they wouldn't have left. Mm -hmm. This guilt, again, is from believing a couple of lies. One, that the parents are responsible for the outcome of somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. The parents are not responsible for how their children turn out. Parents are responsible for their conduct in parenting. The Proverbs itself is mistranslated and contributes to the lie. More accurate translation of that proverb would be raise a child according to his way. And when he is old, he will not depart from it, which means if you let the child be in charge of their upbringing, whether they do homework, what time they go to bed, what foods they eat, what programs they watch, what games they play, Mm -hmm. let the child be in charge with no parental instructions or discipline, you can be sure the child will grow up to be a self-indulgent narcissist and won't go away from it. Mm And so we know that's the better translation because even when you have an example of perfect parenting, as in God parenting Adam and Eve, it didn't guarantee the good outcome. So it's not a promise if you do a good job, you get a good outcome. It's if you do no job, you get a bad outcome. And so underlying this types of false guilt or, or lies, always lies, like I should have known. It was my fault. They'd be alive if it wasn't for me. Their life would be better if it wasn't for me. If I would have been a better parent, my kid wouldn't have gone astray and so forth and so on. So can you see that this false guilt cannot be resolved by repentance and restoration or trying to change you in some way? It's by identifying the lie and replacing it with truth. Mm. Well, today we talked about guilt and resolving it. We talked about the two kinds of guilt, and it is eye-opening to hear these things from Dr. Tim Jennings. If you are enjoying this program, listener, and you'd like to know more about these issues, I invite you to comeandreason.com. It has a lot of resources there. Dr. Jennings' books are there, podcasts, television programs, and just material that can feed your soul, and you can look at God differently, and you can see where God has placed in your life and in my life. You can see where God has put things for us to learn, and God has made it possible for us to come and reason with the God of the universe, which is amazing to think about. Just think about that. Comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings via Skype today. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. You bet. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.